Coming up, what an excellent day for spiritual advice. Well, howdy folks, and welcome to Minute 82 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so our minute begins with Chris saying, he didn't tell you what she did? And then ends with her saying, if a person's, you know possessed by a demon or something. And there it is, folks. We are finally here. But let's get back to the top of this minute where Chris is still circling around the question. You'll remember in the previous minute, she was asking Karis if Father Dyer had told Karis about her party. However, we learned that while Dyer did tell Karis about the party, he said nothing about Reagan peeing on the carpet, probably the most memorable thing about that party. That is, of course, after Father Dyer's stunning rendition of Toy Toy and Toy. I brought the house down. <laughs> brought the house down, right? Yeah. Oh, and there were these great hors d'oeuvres mm-hmm. <laughs> there just to die for. Yes. There's no bathroom breaks. Um <laughs> <laughs> But no, that's the thing you remember about Chris's party, right? Even if you remember nothing else, you remember that her daughter walked up to a guy and said, you're going to die up there, and then peed on the rug. So Chris is a little confused right now. And also, as you pointed out, Keenan, a little Mm -hmm. frustrated because it's like now she has to start from scratch, right? Like she was hoping that mentioning the party would be a way to like ease into the conversation. But apparently Karis had no idea she even had a daughter. Chris is still incredulous. So she asks, he didn't tell you what she did? You you, you mean you don't know what she did? My cunting daughter? (laughs) That was a little bit of Gilbert Gottfried in there. (laughs) Oh, the ghost of Gilbert Gottfried. I'm still here. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm sure she's like, you know, oh, if you know about the, if you know about what what Reagan did. He's like, oh yeah, right. she needs to be exercised. Right, this, right, yeah. The way the way Dyer tells the story. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I'll sign you right up. Let's go. Yeah, let's get yeah, to like the a- next exorcist uh, plane <laughs> to <laughs> exorcist camp. <laughs> That's what that van was all along. <laughs> no, but like it, it's almost like it's like I didn't want to say it, Father. I was just hoping that you would say it first. You know, right, exactly. Um, yeah. And we've all been in that situation where it's like, I'm just uh, like, I know that if I say it, I'm going to feel stupid because the risk of of sounding stupid is so, is so great that I'd rather, even though I'm like 99% sure, I'd rather somebody else just say it. And I'd be like, you know what? That's a really good idea. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Yeah. But Keenan, this time around that what she said sort of uh, like made me think about what Captain Howdy said when, uh, mm-hmm. you know, when Reagan's head was turned all the way around, all the way around, right? <laughs> like, do you know what she did, your hunting daughter? And now she's like, you mean she didn't tell you what she, or you mean he didn't tell you what she did? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if this was intentional or not, but like, doesn't that add just a little bit of weight to that line? If we choose to see it as an echo of like what her daughter had had just said to her, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I kind of like that connection. Um, now, Karis has to reiterate here, he didn't mention her. And that right there is different from just saying no. He could have just said no, right? So it could have gone like this, right? He didn't mention her? No. He didn't tell you what she did? No. 
right? Like that's mm-hmm. that's how I would do it. Like if I was in this situation, it's like, no, no, right? But instead, it's he didn't mention her? No. He didn't tell you what she did? He didn't mention her. Mm-hmm. And you might be thinking, folks, okay, wh- like what's the difference? And, and sure, maybe it is a little bit nitpicky. Certainly a, it's about the same thing, but the way he chooses to do it says something. The subtext could be, did you not just hear what I said? I said he didn't mention her. And there's got to be a reason he's choosing to answer her in this way. Now, I don't think Karis is impatient here, even though we had said before that he might be inwardly waiting for her to come out with her problem. I don't think this is him like getting fed up with her. Right. Rather, I think this is a type of reassurance, like sort of along the lines of like, it's all right. He didn't say anything. You're safe. You can be the first to tell me. Like, I'm here. I'm invested. I'm going to listen. Right. Mm-hmm. And in, in that way, like he's repeating what he just said just to just to make that clear. Right. It, it could also be something like, look, lady, like Dyer didn't give me any prior information. So you if you want me to help you, it's going to be up to you to fill me in. And that's what I think is is interesting about the scene. Really, you know, relatively late in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. We're uh, oh, 80, I forget what you said at the beginning. <laughs> We're 80 something. <laughs> 82. <laughs> 82 minutes into the movie. Yeah. Right. Um, and one of the things that that, you know, they and we, I suppose, as, mm-hmm. as part of the screenwriting and telegistia, you know, like like when you mm-hmm. tell beginning writers like like, oh, try to skip where they, you know, why do we need this, the information twice, right? We're trying right. to get to the point where, um, you know, oh, Chris goes to see Father Karras and she, you have this whole scene where she's explaining it again, everything we've already seen in the movie. Mm-hmm. What if what if Father Dyer has already told Father Karras this? Right. And we can shorthand this and get to the real stuff. But that's what I like about this scene is that mm-hmm. we're forcing Chris to say out loud what she's experienced, right? Yes. And like to reckon with it um, yes. and, and see how how embarrassing it is, right? How, mm-hmm. how like, like there's still like, we're right at the precipice of act two, right? We're going to mm-hmm. get these people together. They're yep. going to help each other out, but it's so hard to even say out loud what she wants to say. Yes. Yes. And no, Keenan, you are exactly right. Um, I, I completely understand the not wanting to rehash, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the same old plot and, you know, and, and explain again to a new character. And in another movie, in all other movies, I agree with that. But it's it, like that's the point of this movie is her coming to terms with it. She mm-hmm. has to – the challenge is not so much – the challenge is not so much getting an exorcism. The challenge is, is both of them realizing that an exorcism needs to get done, mm-hmm. right? As soon as that happens – like you know, fast forward a little bit, folks. As soon as – Karis agrees to do the exorcism. The other priests are like, yeah, who do you want to get to do this? Oh yeah, let's get Father Man. It's like, it's like boom, boom, boom. It's the easiest thing in the world. So that's not the hurdle. The hurdle is this scene right here, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, the, it, it's, it's, the one, uh, situ- it's, the, it's the one scenario where the bureaucracy is faster than the actual, like them choosing to do the thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, there, there's like, <laughs> I, I like where, uh, you, know, future, you know, Futurama, Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so in Futurama, they like making fun of this sort of uh, idea of like, uh, especially on television. There's a lot of scenes where people are recapping what's happened because there's commercials and mm-hmm. and, and, and uh, on television. I mean, the big difference between television and um, and watching a, a movie in the in the theater is that mm-hmm. at television, you're at home and you're doing other things. You're expected to do other things. Right. You're expected to be taking care of your kids or mm-hmm. maybe, maybe mm-hmm. not vacuuming. I was going to say, <laughs> 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 but you know, cooking macaroni and cheese or something simple. Yeah. And yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. You can hear the TV and, and run 
running laundry and that kind of thing. So in Futurama, they'll have these these scenes, um, these um, you know beginnings of scenes where it's it's like um, oh, and th- and then that's when this happened. Like, oh, yes, we were all there. <laughs> Why are you telling me this again? <laughs> and again, you're reminding us. Um, and there's one where um, where I think it's a Valentine's Day episode or something where. Um, where uh, Fry is dating somebody, uh, and then um, and then the girl gets stolen by a guy, and, and they mm-hmm. Fry and inadvertently like gets them together, and they fall in love, and then they cut back, um, you know, t- to the beginning of the next scene, and Lee was like, "So they made love right in front of you on the floor." <laughs> <laughs> it's sort of that kind of recap. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so because we could have that, right? We could have yeah. we we could have um, you know Chris show up at at Father Karras's, um, uh, or you know we just show up with uh, with Chris to Father with Father Karras, um at at uh, at the Catholic Church together, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, my friend Father Dyer told me what happened to this poor woman, right, and so we're right. we're gonna jump ahead, right? Yeah, Miss McNeil, I'm Father Dyer, or I'm Father Father Karras, yeah, mm-hmm, right. And, yeah, and well, I heard everything. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard everything. Don't explain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Please don't say anything else. Time is of the essence. We got. We got to go. Why did it take you so long, Chris? What? The... Now she's getting yelled at by the priest. It's like you. You mean you waited this long? <laughs> no, but the point is that she has to. We have to see her struggling to ask for the help of God. Yes. When she doesn't believe in God. Exactly. Right. Yes. Um. But yeah. So. Chris is still hesitant, and who can blame her? Honestly, right? Everything you just said, Keenan. Like, remember how hard it was for Dr. Berenger <laughs> to say the word exorcism in his own building, <laughs> surrounded by his own p- employees <laughs> and foundation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna take away. They're gonna take away his his big fancy building. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm saying right? that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And yeah. Like. Like. Chris is talking to a priest, right? But again, folks, that just goes to show how incredulous this all seems. Mm-hmm. And Chris Chris isn't even Catholic. My fellow Catholics, ask yourselves, would you be able to go to your priest right now and ask about exorcism, even being of the faith and talking to a priest, would you be able to do it and not feel a little weird? Mm-hmm. Right? So Yeah, I mean, there, there are people I'm sure who have trouble even going to their own priest and saying that they've had an affair. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, things that people do all the time or, mm-hmm. or you know, I shoplifted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah, I, I'm thinking right now, like if I go to my priest and mm-hmm. I say, I say, hey, you know what? Um, I think there's some demonic stuff going mm-hmm. on. I just haven't felt right. I've mm-hmm. I've felt a lot of like, you know, like, like unexplainable, like anger and aggression and everything. They're going to be like, all right, well, let's set you up with the church therapist. And it was mm-hmm. like, like, that's the first thing they would do. Mm-hmm. Right. Like there's no, yeah, there, there is no universe where <laughs> I go to my priest and, and he's like, oh, I, I know what you're going to say. I know what you're going to say. I can see it in your eyes, in your, in your weird demonic green little eyes. Let's, <laughs> I got, I got the exorcist on speed dial. Let's just, let's do this thing. <laughs> so the next thing Chris says seems to be a departure from the topic. She says, priests are pretty tight mouthed then, huh? And so here she has found a way to let Karis know, mm-hmm. right? Again, subtext, look, Dyer didn't tell you everything that happened at the party. And Karis reads that. He's picking up what she's putting down, but he doesn't take the bait. Instead, he answers, that depends. Serving the ball back to her and forcing her to ask, on what? And if you look at Ellen Burstyn's reaction, you can see that she's realized she's walked right into it. She's like, okay, you got me. Depends (laughs) on what, right? And, you know, so now Chris serves it back. And he immediately counters the priest. And she saw that one coming a mile away again. I'm reminded of the fencing match between Karis and Kinderman right. here, and, like where we got like a lot of this 
this is like steps in a dance, right? I'm mixing metaphors again. <laughs> it's a fencing dance. It's a fencing tennis dance, right? <laughs> I know, like, yeah, tennis, fencing, dancing, and he's a boxer. So let's just, let's just put that in there, right? But yeah, like we said before, folks, this kind of back and forth, this is like a really good lesson for actors, writers, and directors to be able to write dialogue, which is at odds with the subtext, to be able to perform at that as an actor and to be able to direct actors so that that subtext comes out in their performance. And it's not just like, you know, two idiots making small talk, right? Mm -hmm. If you just play the text of this scene, it becomes dull as shit. So hats off to Burstyn and Miller. Miller, who, by the way, was also an award-winning playwright by this time in his career, right? So he knows a thing or two about uh, subtext, right? Yeah, he probably brought his Pulitzer Prize with him to set. <laughs> That's what I would do. <laughs> do you see this? Do you see this? Oh, Billy, I don't know if I would walk over to the table at that point. Let me check with my Pulitzer Prize. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Pulley? <laughs> I think Jason's right. <laughs> uh, that's what he always says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Friedkin's totally bought in. It's like, no, oh, that's what he always says. <laughs> oh, pulley. <laughs> uh, okay, but yeah. So, so after Karis says the priest, they both stare at each other for a beat, and then Chris shrugs, and they both look away. Like that one was a draw, right? They got <laughs> nowhere, but it was intense. Like on the way to that nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. And Chris shrugs, and she's like, "Sure, right? Like you win this round, right?" And then something happens. Chris decides she's 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 going to do this. So she just she just plows ahead and it's this beautiful bit of stammering and stuttering that feels so genuine. Folks, I know a thing or two about being hesitant with my words and I do a podcast. But mm-hmm. like you've probably heard me stumble through a subject I'm not 100% knowledgeable on and I think you guys can tell when I go off script and I'm here to tell you This little bit of acting here, which is to some degree prepared by Ellen Burstyn, is so real to me. Just the way that she starts one thought and then she trails off and we sort of lose the thread and she comes back in a different place and then she repeats a bit of it. Like, I mean, like, okay, just listen to this, like, 100% transcribed version. She says, I mean, what if a person uh, came to, you know, that was a murderer or a criminal of some kind and they... And they wanted some kind of help. That's not a sentence. (laughs) If one of my English students handed that in, I would flunk them. But we understand exactly what she is saying. And not only do we understand, but because she says it in that way, we also get to understand the place that she's coming from. That that right there is a brilliant merging of text and subtext. We see that she's nervous, she's hesitating, she's backpedaling, but still determined to get this out. And what comes out is this like garbled, beautiful, <laughs> touching mess. It's, like, it's absolutely beautiful. Right. And it's not it's not just the words she's saying, right? Because that is sort of scripted. She's changed some of it. So mm. in the script, it's, I mean, what if a person, let's say, was a criminal, like maybe a murderer or something, you know, if he came mm-hmm. to you for help, would you have to turn him in? Right. So it's hers is is close. So it's not like she's completely making things up, right? It's not, mm-hmm. it's not exactly improvised, right? Um, right. Yeah. But she's, but she's adapting ma- it to yeah. her own state of mind, right? Go ahead. Yeah, she's she's made it, uh, uh, I guess, more true to the way that the character would be thinking and mm-hmm. would be jumping from one topic to the next. Yeah, it's probably the longest block she has in this scene. And then it's like, well, I don't know how Chris would would 
get through any line of dialogue that were longer than, you know, three syllables right. in the state that she's in. So this is how we're going to do it. We're going to make it our own. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it comes out. Have you ever had a dream that that um that you had uh, that you had to you could you do you with you you could do you could do you could want you wanted him to do you so much you could do anything? <laughs> I love that, <laughs> folks. If you haven't seen that meme that Keenan is referencing, it's the it's the it's the sweetest, it's most so genuine sweet. thing. Yeah, he actually he actually um um. I saw on TikTok, like so many years later, he came back and he, and he like, he explained what he was trying to say. <laughs> As yeah. an adult, he's like, this is what I was trying to say. And yeah, all the comments really were like, cute. we love how you said it originally. <laughs> yeah, it's really cute. He's like, in my little head, I had, I had this wonderful idea. <laughs> and I insisted on not telling them ahead of time before they rolled the camera, you know, <laughs> what it was going to be. <laughs> It was something like like they were doing a documentary about right. his class, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Ah, but yeah. It, and I also like, okay, so there's a thing that she does when she starts this bit of dialogue. She finishes her I, the Chris, not the dream kid. <laughs> I just want to be clear. Oh, uh, do yeah, we have to uh, talk about the exorcist? We can't talk I about know, the dream kid. I know. We can't anymore. talk about the dream kid, right? <laughs> have you ever seen a movie where like the thing, you know, the the scariest movie that like and then you thought like you didn't want to turn off the lights and you became Catholic? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um but yeah, so I, I I like this this uh extra little thing that Chris does when she starts this dialogue. Mm-hmm. She finishes her cigarette, she drops it on the ground, uh, and then like stopping to make sure she's put it out with her foot. Mm-hmm. And I almost want to equate this with her mm, like rolling up her sleeves, you know, like, all right, here we go. Right. And that does something else, too. It forces Karis to stop. And so now when they start up again, it's on her step. It's on her terms. And so she barrels through this thing, makes a valiant effort and finishes it up with, would you have to turn him in? Right. Like she does that whole thing. Like, you know, if criminal, would you have to turn him in? (laughs) And folks, once again, what happens right as she finishes up, right after she drops this question here comes another wooden beam in the foreground, another uh-huh. uh, signpost for them to physically pass through. And now on the other side of that signpost, we can feel that the mood has changed. We are in the same place, but it feels different. The air is heavier. Karis is probably thinking, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> Dimmy, you starstruck son of a gun. What are you here? What are you in for? Right. Mm-hmm. But now he must answer her question. So. Still, not knowing what the hell this is all about, he can only speak the plain truth. Well, if he came to me for spiritual advice, I'd say no. Now, this causes Chris to look up at him sharply. Like, go back and look, folks. When Karis says that as a priest, he wouldn't turn this hypothetical criminal in, there's this, like, jolt of hope that you can see from Chris. Even though her eyes are covered, it's like, it's like, oh, this guy really might be able to help me. I might be able to tell him more. Uh, just as a reminder for our younger listeners, um, back then, if you, if you had a question like this, there were life or death, there wasn't an internet to search, right? So right. you couldn't just be like, oh, what happens if this happens? And there's a whole Quora or, a, you know, Yahoo Answers or whatever, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. a Reddit a- a- AMAs or anything. So like she, she's, she has no idea what he's going to yeah. say, right? right? And to hear that is like, oh, oh gosh, like this is, this is actually going to work or potentially mm-hmm. could work. 
Right, right. And so she asks again. She says, you wouldn't. And the way he quickly answers her when she asks again, right? Mm -hmm. Like really quick, he says, no, I wouldn't. Because he knows now, or he's on the way to knowing. And he wants to reassure her, no, this hypothetical criminal who is not hypothetical at all, Mm -hmm. I would not turn them in. Mm-hmm. And again, this is happening really quick, but you can see how she's taking in this information. She looks away and down, and you can see, again, even behind those big glasses and that scarf, you can see the gears are turning and hope is dawning. Keenan, I did not expect to be blown away by this scene. In all the scenes of the famous The Exorcist, like you, you think of the standout scenes, you think of like the power of Christ compels you, you think of Demi, why you do this to me. But this scene, like people might not, not necessarily remember the details of this scene, might not even remember this scene is in the movie. But here I am flabbergasted by everything these two actors are giving us. Like I said before, that this reminds me of the fencing match between uh, Karis and Kinderman. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I feel like it's just as intense, maybe even more intense, more um, fraught, as you have uh, put it in the past. I I think between the two, I might actually like this one more. Mm -hmm. And maybe that's because we understand the stakes for Chris. Like she's fighting for her daughter. And maybe also like with Kinderman, it's like watching two well-trained fencers go at it. But here it's like Karis is a trained fighter and Chris has to pick up a sword for the first time. And we're like, wow, she's fumbling her way through this, but she's also getting some hits in. She's dodging some hits. You know, it's like it's like she's thrusting and he's parrying and he's parrying and she's. No, I just said the same thing. (laughs) I said the same fucking thing, which which is proof that in a fencing match, I would be dead. Right. Even Um, though they have the little the little um, little balls at the end. So you can't get killed. You would. I would somehow (laughs) somehow somehow if Palpatine can return, (laughs) I can die from a from a from a, um, a safety. Uh, uh, fencing sword. But you know, this has always been one of my very favorite scenes in the movie. Um, mm. This, this, I do remember this scene pretty well. Well, you know, what I do remember is the ending of it where she breaks down. Right. So that that is one of my very favorite things about the whole movie. Um, I I could do horror movies without any demons in them, please. Mm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I'm a scaredy cat and can just remind people I'm a real wuss. Mm. So I could do the horror movies where there's you know where there's drama going on and yeah. and I could I could skip past the the demons <laughs> mm-hmm. but no this yeah this i think it's really just it yeah you said flabbergasting i was trying to find a, a better way of uh, of saying flabbergast without saying flabbergasting again but yeah flabbergasting i think yeah. she's, she is she is so great in this movie mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah and you know so you're comparing it to the kinderman scene with karis you know they're they're also it's basically a walk and talk as well right we're mm-hmm. walking through and then he's going to start doing some of the things that kinderman has done in our previous one like stopping to control the flow of the conversation etc right yeah, but yeah. with Kinderman versus Karis, it is this duel of professionals. Yes. Um, so it's about Kinderman as the detective and then Karis as the um, doctor priest combined where he mm-hmm. is, you know, um, potentially protecting his own priest, protecting his ministry, et cetera, and mm-hmm. working as a professional. Here with Chris, I mean, this is like if she's fencing, but she's holding her baby in her other hand. Yes. Oh, that's a that is a, another good visual. Yeah. I mean, not. I mean, so, I don't mean that. <laughs> a good metaphor. There we yeah, go. Yeah, we're not we're not saying uh, to go do that. No, <laughs> and don't. see how how your fencing game gets upped. <laughs> <laughs> it's how the pros train. They're just holding a sack of potatoes, and they're like, ah. 
but they have to draw little pictures, little little faces on the potatoes and name well, yeah, them. Yeah, how do you <laughs> name each of them? I mean, so yeah, how do you know it's it's a baby if you don't draw the face? You got right, exactly. This is Evelyn. And <laughs> this is Petey. <laughs> gotta give them a whole backstory. Exactly. You know. Yeah, but you know, so she is yeah thrusting and pairing whatever those words mean. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> she's, <laughs> but she's doing it, and sometimes she's she's spot on, but sometimes you know she is swinging wildly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that depends on what on the priest. It's like, boom, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, if there was an audience, everyone would be like, <gasps> <laughs> holding up the little the little point cards, right? It's right, like, ah, exactly. that's a, you know, that's an 8.5. Right? <laughs> or excellent move by Karis there. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so so just uh, back to the dialogue here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Karis admits that he wouldn't turn this criminal in. He says, no, I wouldn't, but I would try to convince him to turn himself in. Mm-hmm. And we can see also how that lands, which is to say, not at all. She's like, yeah, that does not apply to my situation. (laughs) That is a thing that is not going (laughs) to (laughs) happen. So she's like, okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta play my cards here. I got, I gotta go all out here. Um, now's the time. So after a beat, she says, and, um, how do you go about getting an exorcism? Boom. Now, So many things happen in this little exchange. As she says this, her body sort of holds and then lets it all go. How do you go about getting an exorcism? And she just continues to walk. It's Mm -hmm. done. It's out. It's almost like a mic drop. So much is communicated by the fact that Chris is not looking at him when Mm -hmm. she says this, that her eyes are not locked on his trying to gauge his reaction. So much is communicated by the fact that she just drops it and keeps walking. It's different from her not being able to look at him because she's embarrassed that's that's not what this is mm-hmm. she's she's beyond that she mm-hmm. has she has decided to say this thing and it's almost like in that moment his reaction doesn't even matter what matters is that she is finally able to say it finally able to let it go it's like i've come this far i'm going to say this and whatever happens happens that's what i get from her okay. so keenan your uh, your observation about like why this scene is important this right here right mm-hmm. like she this is this is the climax moment it's like <gasps> like she said it she said the thing right. she hasn't said it to Mary Jo she hasn't said it to Sharon she hasn't mm-hmm. said it to Willie right she, she, this is the first time she's saying it out loud yeah yeah and that's the that's the focal point of this scene right mm-hmm. so forget that you know we have the rules about like okay we don't need to reiterate the the problem Chris mm-hmm. it's like you mean an exorcist like when, when last on the exorcist <laughs> right like that's that that would be true if that were this type of scene but the, this is not that type of scene mm-hmm. the the challenge the hurdle the and and the climax is when she finally gets it out right, right. and you can see how it affects him he starts stops walking. Mm-hmm. And I got to give Jason Miller credit here, folks. The way that he does this, you would think that this is like his first day on set and he didn't know <laughs> the title of the movie that he's in. Right? And no, right. Like, it what was I mean, untitled, uh, yeah. untitled Ellen Burson Project, right. 1973. Look, you're a boxing priest. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're having this interaction with a movie star. Go. <laughs> Well, clearly, it's, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm gonna flirt with her, right? It's a rom com, and this is yeah. Jason Miller's flirt face this whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how he flirts. Right. That's how I flirted. That's how I flirted parties. That's how he flirts in rom coms. Right. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> love it. Love it. But yeah, so like Keenan. You hear those little anecdotes uh, all the time, how like they switch the dialogue at the last minute so mm-hmm. that they can capture a real reaction from the actor. Like mm-hmm. like how uh, th- 
the chestburster splattered all over them in in Alien, and their reactions are 100% authentic because they didn't know what was going to what was actually going to happen right? right like you hear those anecdotes and you see the finished film and you're like well you say that but really it could go either way for me right mm-hmm. but this shot right here if you told me jason miller thought they had brought him on for a, a boxing a celebrity priest rom-com movie <laughs> and this was the first time he heard anything about exorcisms right. i would believe you i'm like that man did not know he was in the exorcist until just now <laughs> right exactly <laughs> folks go back and look it's even more subtle than you think he actually looks at her before she says it so already it's not like she says it and he does a double take right he's already looking at her like you would when you're not acting most actors would wait until the next line the mm-hmm. important line but he's already looking at her because they are living in that conversation so much so that when she does say it he just stops mm-hmm. like does not compute like whatever whatever I thought this was, I was not expecting this. And because he has already been looking at her before she said it, now Jason Miller has to express surprise another way. Watch his face. It's very small and very subtle, but so much goes on there. You see the gears turning behind those eyes. After about a second, his uh, brows furrow mm-hmm. and it's like he's seeing her for the first time right and then his brows go back up and he smiles this confused like are we joking smile as he says beg your pardon <laughs> like people of our generation might have said for a little while are are you punking me? Yeah. <laughs> right. Is this a, is this a candid camera show? Right. Or, right. He might look around like like where's all right. Where's the phone? Where's right, the right. you know? It's like what's going Your on? Your famous yeah. movie star Chris McNeil. Uh-huh. <laughs> am I on? Am I on? Like like is this a new show you do? Like <laughs> punked with Chris McNeil. Punked. Yeah. You yeah. just got punked. Did you ever see punked? No, I didn't. They, did I just did I just say the catchphrase without knowing it? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's candid camera, but with pranks, right? So it's it's uh, Ashley okay. Kutcher, and and um, the you know he tries to do it on celebrities because you know um, mm-hmm. it's more fun than like the ones today where people mess with like just regular people who are at the right. store. I don't I don't get why that's fun at all. I don't know. Like here's some guy know. at Walmart and he's trying to buy food for his children. <laughs> and yeah. We're gonna go. We're gonna go fuck with this guy. <laughs> no, so it's, it's always celebrities. Um, and sometimes they're really mean. Like I forget who it was, but they had a clothing line, and then um, they hired this um, this team to pretend that uh, that <laughs> they're like the FBI, and the uh-huh. clothing line has sweatshops that this celebrity, you know, fashion designer person doesn't know about, and so uh-huh. they're going in and like saying, oh. You know, you're being arrested because your your sweats your whole your whole clothing line is full of sweatshops. <laughs> oh my god! It, okay, you know, like when when did this originate? With this, like like the eighties? No, the no, 90s? this is in the two thousands. This is Ashton Kutcher. No, I mean, I mean this concept. Oh, like, oh, well, like candid, the candid camera. Candid thing. cameras in the sixties, but candid camera, okay. you know, obviously is much more genial than then usually it's like, here's, here's us doing some crazy thing. And then you're just the mm. bystander. You know, we're not like putting you in a, an uncomfortable situation of your own. Yeah. Cause I was going to say, I was going to say like, like maybe, maybe this type of show mm-hmm. had its, had its moment, had its time, like, like in the eighties and it's mm-hmm. like, Oh, and everything's, you know, it's like, nobody has anything to worry about. Nobody's walking around like, uh, you know, with, with just the weight of, of, uh, 
their own existence on their mm-hmm. shoulders, you know? And I'm thinking like, cause every time I see those and it's all over TikTok too, especially, especially like, um, uh, parents doing it to their kids. And it's just, <laughs> uh, it just always seems mean, but even not like, like, let's forget like, like parents being horrible for just a second, mm-hmm. um, on the exorcist minute. Uh, but like, like whenever I see these, like where, where it's people doing it to other people, I'm just thinking like, but what if that person is just really having a bad day right. and all they want to do is go into Seven Eleven and get like, you know, a diet Coke or yeah, something exactly. like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then I think, wait a minute, it's 2023. Of course they're having a bad day. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> is having a bad day. The default is bad day. Yeah. Are you so, having a bad so, day? Is there any other kind? <laughs> no. In 2023, nobody is having a great day like they were maybe in the 80s or like we thought they were in the 80s, right? So I feel like this show is is done. This show needs to be put away because like you're you're bothering someone who already is is like just suffering you know, uh, a bit too much. So leave them alone, you know? <laughs> leave everybody alone. Leave everybody alone. <laughs> Why do you think introverts are the hip thing now? <laughs> yeah, it's cool to be an introvert. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, Karis has that sort of reaction, right? He's like, mm-hmm. like, are we, What? what is this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I get to meet a movie star and then uh-huh. and then I'm getting my leg cold, right? This is, yeah, this is yeah. Father Dyer's, prank right oh that's exactly yeah because it looks like did father Di- did father dyer tell you but it's like oh you know father dyer okay all right <laughs> all right, all right. This is father cutesy flip you know yeah, 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 yeah. okay all right what are we doing where's the where's the where's the 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 the, the criminal like let's see you know <laughs> right right then he comes out in like a hamburglar costume <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, yeah, so she's already said exorcism, and then Father Dyer comes down, comes out in those, you know, those like long red pajamas type thing, <laughs> uh, right? With, with the little, the with the little, yeah, yeah, and the little, the little um, open flap on the butt, oh, right? Oh God, yeah. And he's got, he's got like little devil horns. He's got like got a tiny pitchfork <laughs> and a little tail. <laughs> Says I've been really bad. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're just trying to cheer you up, Karis. Uh, God. Uh, that, yeah, in, uh, that would be even worse. Oh my god, um, <laughs> worse than yeah. than the demon that's going to kill him. Well, uh, yeah, you know what? You know what? You know what? I I I, I retract that statement. Um, spoilers. Spoilers. Kid. Sorry. Oh my god. Um, we don't want them to feel bad until the very end. Uh, but yeah. But okay. So the, even before we cut away from him. Right from Karis, that confused sort of sarcastic smile melts away into what seems maybe like genuine concern, Mm -hmm. but not genuine like, oh, my God, an exorcism. It's genuine concern for her mental state. Like he looks worried for her now. Right. Mm -hmm. And so then we cut to a medium close up of Chris. She's sort of half turned, but also looking at him. Now she turns fully in his direction, licking her lips. And she begins, if... Um, and now folks, we can see and hear her pain because even though he hasn't said anything except beg your pardon, Mm -hmm. she has already read in his face and in his voice that he is not going to help her. And it is heartbreaking to see and hear as she once again stumbles through her words, but this time it sounds so much more 
hopeless. Mm-hmm. Like like before, we applauded her for getting through it. But here, it's like she's been mortally stabbed in this uh, fencing match. And she knows she's dying, knows she's losing, but she's still going. Mm-hmm. She's She's already losing hope. And she's beginning to cry as she says these words. It's like so tough to watch. She says, if, um, if a person's, you know, possessed by a demon or something. But then, but then she rallies and she continues with a bit more convi- uh, conviction. She asks, you know, possessed by, by a demon or something. And she's, getting, she's getting back up. She was, she was down, but not out. But that is the end of this minute. And the end of my notes. Keenan, how about you? Is there anything else I missed here? Yeah, not that you missed, but we're on this this shot here. And it's rather unusual for The Exorcist. We're in a really long lens and the background is way, way, way out of focus. And there's not, not a whole lot of visual information back there. Hmm. That That's really pretty rare and I, I was skimming through the movie trying to see if we've done that uh before we do it a lot it's it's very common in a lot of movies so say like when you're getting you know you know a, a glamour shot like for your headshots or something right right you'll get a really long lens and you'll blur out the background it'll be pretty indistinct and you know it it it, it makes you focus on yourself right the background is right. just is just sort of a feeling rather than any anything discernible yeah. um but in the exorcist we haven't been doing that so this is one of the few times if not the only time so far again i skimmed through a couple times trying to find them where we're in a close-up basically of chris um we're going to be joined by father Karras in a second in it as this like profile shot where mm. we're really flattening the space and you know getting really close to somebody while it does the opposite of, of what we normally use it for in terms of glamour, in terms of mm. like focusing and, and making someone beautified. Like it's flattened and even claustrophobic. Yeah. Right. The background is just the sort of gray nothingness. Um, and we're in we're in profile of these two people as they're looking at each other. So we're gonna pick that up in the next minute. Yeah. Actually, Keenan, I, I think I remember didn't they use the same shot when she says, you're telling me I should take my daughter to a witch doctor? Let me look through. I've been trying to, I was trying to scan through where we had it. Because I remember you had said something la, la, similar. La, 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 la. Oh, yes. I'm looking at that shot here. Yeah, that one has, it's the same sort of uh, idea. Mm-hmm. But I guess I feel it more in the other one because in this shot of uh, you, in in this one for this minute, yeah, in the in this um, kerosene because now I'm looking at the the Behringer one, and mm-hmm. you could still tell what's behind, like it's a picture frame or a mirror and like a um, like a little table with a phone, like so I think I mm-hmm. feel it in this one even more because there's like nothing. It's like it's like we're in a void. Interesting. Yeah, there it just, just no information back there again. And she just bared her soul, and then it's like. You are you've done the thing that you haven't wanted to do this entire time, right? Right. Admit right. what's really going on here, and admit that you need God. You need you know this is that's a big thing, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you need God. Um, you need girl. You need Jesus, right? Yeah. <laughs> and you've done that admission, and he's not like he's not on your side yet, right? And and yeah. it's still like so like here you are with him, and it's still it's still somehow claustrophobic and alone, right. and, and nothingness there. Oh, that is a really, really good point. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. Just like, oh, folks, so much being said about just the shots, right? It doesn't even take time. Like, you know, it takes less than a second. We look at these shots and we get the feeling like Mm -hmm. Keenan is describing from not the words, not the, you know, not not any kind of like um, handholding. It's just this subconscious thing that Mm -hmm. we get all from the construction of, um, you know, having like a really long lens or something like that. That is that is really cool. And yeah, Um, you you know, these things hit us instantly. Um, 
Alexander McKendrick, the director and film theorist, says it, movies happen pre-verbally, right? Before we're able mm. to put them into words. Oh, I like that word pre-verbally. Yeah, That's good. yeah. It takes, it, you know, you get it. And it, then it takes us two or three minutes to explain what you're getting, right? Yes. Uh, but then, of course, it takes the filmmakers four or five hours to set up the right. shot, right? That we understand within seconds. Nice. Okay, yeah. And then, and then like, going backwards, just, like, working to construct a feeling mm-hmm. that we feel without even knowing we feel it. Right. Like, and then it taking like, like, like milliseconds for us to feel it mm-hmm. and then not even realizing why it's affecting us this way. Right. Not even, yeah. Like, like pre, wow. Pre-verbally. I like that. Okay. I'm going to start using that. Yeah. yeah. Yay. Okay. That's ah. the power of cinema, baby. <laughs> the power of cinema compels you. <laughs> there we go. Um, all right, folks, this has been another excellent Exorcist Minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can find me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark. And I've been Keenan Diaz, and you can find me on Instagram and Letterboxd as Howdy Keenan. Yeah, we got our group, Compelling Conversations. Go check that out and request to join, and we'll let you in here with us. That's on Facebook. Um, and thank you so much to everyone who has shared the show by word of mouth or on social media. And a big thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star rating and a little comment on uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to our show. We really appreciate it. It's going to help our little podcast grow and find more cool people like you. Um, we're also The Exorcist Minute. So not only Keenan and I, but The Exorcist Minute is also available on all the socials. Um, uh, on Twitter, it's just Exorcist Minute, Exorcist Minute. Um, and then uh, we got a we got a we an Instagram that's The Exorcist Minute. And we got a, uh, well, yeah, I already said the Facebook group thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, we're uh, we're slowly building out the socials. So, uh, you know, look, seek and you shall find. <laughs> that's, in, that's in the Bible, right? Sounds like it. <laughs> okay. I'll just say it is. All right. <laughs> yeah, who's going to who's going to find out? Who's who's going to who's going to fact check us? Huh? All right. Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time. The power of a dream that you um you you had your you you could no, you'll do it's, you, it's, ever had a dream that you uh, um you had your you you could you'll, you, you'll do you'll, you could also you, you, you do you, you'll do you, you could you, could you do, wasn't you, you want you, you them could, to do could, so much you that walk, you could you, 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 you any, anything anything <laughs>